Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Boston's going to win the season series 2-1. They will eat the 24 clock. And with 8.8 seconds left, it will be Bulls ball. 117-94 Boston. Iowa dribbles it out. Ball game over. Boston 117. Bulls 94. How oh, discouraging is it to echo through these three games? Potential playoff opponents and not even really be that competitive. I mean, it's obviously not fun. Um, but, you know, it's a... Uh, we gotta find some fight within these next couple of games before you know before it hits you know real time, and uh, you know it's, it's definitely gonna come to light if, if we don't. Yeah, I feel like the two and twenty record that the Bulls have against the top four teams in in each conference might already have shed some light on what some of their problems are. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm Lawrence Holmes here with you until two o'clock. Cubs game that was scheduled for today has been rained out. It has been postponed. It will be part of a split doubleheader on May 30th. May 30th with a 12.05 first pitch and a 6.45 first pitch in the second game. The Bulls have looked terrible in their last two games. And I'm going to talk with Cody Westerlin about my frustration about both of those games. He joins me on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, some of the world's largest sports book. Cody, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing fine, Lawrence. You know, um, Bernstein yelling, Cody has a broken foot, probably exaggerated it a little bit. I, I have a small fracture in the foot, so a little like walking uh, shoe padded type thing, not like... Uh, not like reconstructive surgery or anything there. So I will be fine, all things considered. Very thankful that uh, we know a lot of people have worse medical issues than a small bone in their foot giving them some pain. So we'll be fine. We'll do, be fine. do I need to start taking reps at short just in case? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'll probably be on the injured list for the first couple weeks of the season. So that I think that's a good idea. You can never have enough versatility. So it's one of those things, you know... Uh, when I was 24, I don't think this would happen, but when you're 34 and you uh, step on a sidewalk wrong when you're jogging, sometimes your bones, uh, they're a little more brittle these days, I guess. Yeah, you know what? I have uh, i had a conversation with Matt Forte. We were doing the football after show, and I asked him about running because, you know, Matt's in 
Matt's probably in better shape now than when he was playing, and he was in great shape when he was playing. And so he said, so do you, like, run on on pavement? And I said, yeah. yeah. And he's like, that's stupid. And I was like, yeah. okay. So I have since stopped running on pavement. It's part of the reason that I did a virtual Shamrock Shuffle because I could run through Washington Park and the Midway in Hyde Park and be mostly on dirt and grass. So, yeah, man, I feel your pain when it comes to the the idea of running on concrete. Yeah, it's one of those things, too, especially like when you go want to go run on the lake, too, especially in the summer and stuff. Like, that's just the way it's kind of going to be unless you, uh, like you said, Parker, I guess a high school track or something like that around, too. But um, we'll uh, we'll hang in there. It'll be good in probably uh, eight weeks, hopefully. All right, good. I'm, I'm glad that you're okay. Uh, you know who's not okay? The Chicago Bulls. Here, here's my anger, uh, and I know that we were supposed to talk about this, but you had to go and get your, your foot checked. My anger with the game on Tuesday was I felt like Milwaukee wasn't trying. I felt like they were experimenting with stuff. Giannis only played 24 minutes, and he was clearly just trying to facilitate in the game, and they curb-stomped the Bulls. That made me angry on Tuesday night. Yeah, they were going through the motions is completely wrong to say of the Bucks, but on the offensive end, like they were not themselves whatsoever. It's almost like they were experimenting for the playoffs. What more can we do? Like Giannis didn't shoot, I don't think, in the first quarter and didn't score in the first quarter, then started shooting jump shots for his first three shots, only had 18 points, a, a, a tiny output for him because the rest of the team was rolling. The Bucks hit three pointers at a better clip than the Bulls that night, which pretty much every doing these days obviously but it's it's embarrassing for the bulls when you're in a situation like that and brooke lopez goes off for for 28 points when he's been nothing like that um here recently and obviously was out for a long time with injury that's just too easy and that's the thing stars are going to get points on you but you have to make it as hard as you possibly can on everyone else on the other team and we saw it again Wednesday night. I think Al Horford was 7-for-7, seven seven, just taking advantage of mismatches here and there against DeRozan or whoever else is guarding him. You just have no chance. The Bulls have no chance if it's going to be that easy for other teams' role players. And it's really been that easy for, for long stretches. And combined with the Bulls' uh, atrocious outside shooting, that's just a really bad combination for them competing in games these days against good teams. Yeah, it is. And like that's what it, it just felt like Milwaukee was like, well, let me sun you. Like, let me let me just do this thing. Like you said, like Giannis didn't attempt a field goal in the first quarter. And you got dog walked in that game. Like it was there was never a point where you felt like the Bulls had a chance to win that game. And and I think what is going to be like it, it's a snapshot of that game to me is Drew Holiday in the post against Tristan Thompson. And and Drew Holiday has given up a, a bunch of inches and he still was able to move Trist, uh, move Tristan Thompson because he wanted to. And I think that gets back to what something Billy said after Wednesday's loss is the Bulls are just getting beat on the margins again and again and again, right? Like Drew Holiday taking advantage of Tristan Thompson strength-wise, that just can't happen. Like, Tristan's got to be better in that situation. The Bulls' defense has to be better at the point of attack. Like, just because 
you didn't totally get beat for a layup by your man doesn't mean you did your job on defense, for example. Like, if they get a step on you and your teammate has to take one step toward you and the play to cut him off and make him swing the ball and the guy didn't immediately shoot, for example, that doesn't mean you did your job as the primary defender. That means your team defense as a unit's now a step behind and it's catching up with the Bulls. So I think, like, plays like that that you mentioned Obviously, with Thompson getting taken advantage there by someone who's smaller, uh, these situations where it's not just like loose balls, it's every small thing. The Bulls are like really bad at the things that often don't end up on the highlight reel, right? Like if it can't be a highlight, it feels like the Bulls don't care as much about the play. I mean, this is a team that is absolutely goes bonkers in transition offensively, highlight plays. Some great cutting dunks to the hoop this year. They got two scorers who can go off for huge numbers in one-on-one situations. But it's just not a team that takes enough pride in the things that it takes to get to the next level. And at one point, we thought the Bulls were a really strong playoff team and didn't have quite enough to be a championship contender. And now they're an average to below average basketball team that doesn't do the small things to, to really be competitive with any of the best teams in the league. And that's something that some of it is learned through experience and some of it is ingrained maybe in these older players that they have to have a come to Jesus moment or the coaching staff has to instill it more or they just have to learn a really hard lesson in the playoffs and maybe they'll look inward and see what it takes. Is there anything different from the way Boston beat them up versus the way Milwaukee did? I mean, I I don't think so. Boston obviously switches more on defense in a way, but like the end result for the Bulls perimeter defense, it it feel, or excuse me, for their perimeter shooting is very much the same. They're struggling kind of any way other teams, uh, no matter what they throw at them. And I just think it's a situation where the Bucks let DeMar DeRozan go off. They didn't send a ton of double teams at him, stuff like that, but they just didn't care because they were in cruise control. So the Bulls, because they are so isolation focused at times, like it kind of feels like they can be led into the trap of that game too. And in those situations where the Bulls are isolation heavy, the number one thing they're going to get out of it besides Zach and DeMar with the ball is going to be some three-point shots. When doubles do go DeMar's way or just when these guys create and get into the paint, that naturally opens up the outside shooting. And the Bulls have been doing such a terrible job at that that that's kind of like their one-two punch, you know? And earlier in the year, they weren't shooting a lot of three-pointers. The Bulls have always been among the one or two uh, worst teams in the NBA this year when it comes to volume of three-point shots, but they were making them at a really high clip among the league's best that's not happening anymore. And it's like there's no like third trick in the bag for the Bulls, whether it's trying to beat the Celtics' top-ranked defense or a Bucks defense that uh, isn't as good as it was when it was in uh, championship form last year, but is still in the top third of the league and can still turn it up. So there's just not enough real creativity here for the Bulls on offense when the outside shots aren't going in and we've seen Vooch struggling as well. They, they just don't have as many tricks in their bag as other teams and you see them get taken advantage of. Cody Westerlin of our staff, he covers the Bulls for us. He joins me here on The Score when we talked a, a few days ago, we were talking about Patrick Williams, and I think we both had seen a couple of games in a row where the aggression was there. And then this happens. You know, the Milwaukee game and the Boston games happen, and he disappears. What do the Bulls say about this? Like, how can, how can they get a more consistent effort from P. Will? Because you can see the talent 
but not seeing it every night is problematic. It's not instinctive, and Billy Donovan basically admitted that when he used the word instincts as part of a larger answer. And I don't think this is something that changes quickly. I think this is going to probably be um, the number one issue in the Patrick Williams era in Chicago for as long as that lasts. And the Bulls hope it's a really long time. Obviously, a second-year player, he's a big building block for their future. But that's going to be what they hammer home in the offseason. That's going to be training camp. Uh, Message for them next fall is him being aggressive And you see it here and there, like he got an offensive rebound near the free throw line the other night and immediately went to the hole and dunked. And it's like, whoa, like what that looked easy. And he kind of did it through traffic. And you're like, why doesn't he do that every time he gets an offensive rebound, go attack like he kicks it out too much. And it is only a mindset that that for him can be learned, because if something is not instinctive to a player, it is not anything that's ever going to change quickly. Like you either have it or you don't at the start and stuff like that mindset skills they can be learned but it just comes over time and with experience and I think it's going to be an uphill battle for for a while longer here especially I think to to be honest as long as DeMar and Zach are both on this team like they take up a lot of the oxygen on offense and as long as that's the case I don't see Patrick Williams really elevating to be really aggressive night after night after night. You're going to see flashes, but I don't think you will see it consistently um, probably next season when when the top two or the top of the Bulls roster looks much the same, obviously. So there are things that can help him um, with that. I think Lonzo Ball coming back uh, next year, they would be a big help because he's a connector on offense. And if Pat Williams... He doesn't cut enough. He's got to cut to the hoop more. But if you have Lonzo out there and he cuts more, he has a higher chance of being found in situations like that. And I think that can help spur it along and propel it. But we just aren't there yet, and I don't think it changes quickly. For a big portion of the season, if you would say something critical of the Bulls, I mean you, Cody, uh, people would, well, they're not whole. They're not whole. You can't judge them. You can't judge them. They're as whole as they're going to be now. I mean, Lonzo is not coming back. This is this is what you have. Do they get to use the excuse of, man, we'd be so much better if Lonzo was out here? No, I, I don't think so. Uh, he is a, a marvelous basketball player in the way he thinks the game, and he is so important. But all these teams, almost everyone has had someone as important as Lonzo Ball get injured for a stretch this year. And most NBA teams handle it better. And that's because most NBA teams, I think, are more versatile in how they're built in a way. Or they have guys that that kind of shapeshift into doing what needs to be done, right? Like Drew Holiday is not a huge scorer for the Bucs, but he can go out there and be more aggressive for them and 28 points in a game if Giannis or Chris Middleton's out. Or he can do what he did the other night at the United Center and not be super aggressive offensively. And I think he had 13 assists and kind of function as a point guard. Like, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan don't have those skills. Like, when Lonzo's out, it's not like Zach is all of a sudden the connector of the offense or anything like that. So I think that's kind of the concern in, in what was exploited by the Bulls when they did face injuries. They just aren't as versatile in their skill sets of all these players as some of the other teams are. So 
I think it gets back a little bit more to the structure of the team in those struggles without Lonzo than it is, say, like Billy Donovan or the game plan or what any one player did or didn't do, because that is difficult for players who don't have a skill set like that to, to change so much. So the Bulls need more well-rounded basketball players, which is why I think uh, Lonzo's addition last offseason was important. Alex Caruso, obviously, um, more defensive-minded for them. But even someone like Io DeSumo does a little bit more um, on both ends of the court. Obviously, he's hit the rookie wall on offense to a large degree. But he's more well-rounded basketball players. They hope Patrick Williams can, can round into that. That would be helpful. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, the Bulls didn't reach their goals because of all these injuries. Because at the end of the year, when the playoffs are rolling around, and Crusoe has an ailing back but still has been in the lineup here uh, quite a bit in the last few weeks. They are whole except really for one person, and that should be enough for them to be competing at a higher level, and they just aren't doing that right now. You brought up Io. It, it seems like it's much later than it usually happens for rookies, but did he hit a wall? Yeah, I think so, and I just think it has more to do with the games, right? Like, he's been healthy for the Bulls this year uh, for the most part. And he went to Illinois College. I mean, wherever you go to college, you're playing like a 35-game season, right? And I think one of those got cut short by, by COVID for him. And then you're playing 75, 80 games in an NBA season. So I don't look at it too much. Like, I know he was logging like 39 minutes for a stretch there where Lonzo and Caruso were out like uh, on a nightly basis. He was playing a lot. But it's just... Teams figure you out a little bit more. You get a little bit bigger role. And in the half-court setting, he's been a liability for them lately. And that's because he's not knocking down his three-pointers at the same clip. He's not the same aggressiveness going to the hoop. I think when he's got out in transition, he still just looked great uh, in those situations. He's so smooth in transition, but he was just being asked to do too much for too long of a stretch. So, yeah, hit a rookie wall. You see that in the half-court setting. More than anything else, teams have ignored him far, far more often the couple weeks and the last couple weeks and, and just let him stand in the corner behind the three-point line and not worried too much. So uh, he'll have to get that three-pointer even better in the offseason and come back next year and make people respect that more and then go to the hoop hard when they close out hard is kind of the, uh, I think, what you, you do in those situations moving forward. Do does anything that happens in the next two games really matter because of, of how much like a matchup really matters in, in the NBA playoffs? Or is there anything that we could learn from the Bulls versus Charlotte or Minnesota that could tell us anything about who they are? I think these two games are completely meaningless, Lawrence. Like The Bulls are all but locked into the sixth seed. One loss by them or one win by the Raptors, who have an easy last two games, will lock the Bulls in. To the sixth seed, the Bulls don't really have any say in who, what's happening in the 2-3-4 race. It looks like the inside track right now for the Celtics is to get the three seed. That's the highest probability right now. Obviously, the 76ers could still jump into that spot too. But the Bulls don't control that. And I just... I Alex Crusoe's questionable tonight with that back. I don't see a point of him playing tonight, to be honest. Like, the Bulls keep saying they want to find rhythm in these late-season games, but they haven't found it yet. I don't think exploiting a bad um, Hornets defense tonight is going to really change anything that much, right? Like, 
that doesn't affect how the Celtics are going to play you in a first-round series. I don't think you all of a sudden get a ton of confidence because you lit up a team that doesn't try in its backcourt defense. The Timberwolves foul all the time. Like They could foul DeMar DeRozan like 24 times on Sunday, and the Bulls could win, and that's not going to matter for the Bulls moving forward in the playoffs. So try to get out of this healthy. I mean, if you want to play Caruso and Zach a few minutes just to say you don't have a, a week and a half off or anything like that with no game action, I would understand. But I would go light if I'm the Bulls here, just try to stay a little bit healthier. And they're going to probably trot as many as they can out there because that's kind of Billy Donovan's mindset. If you're healthy, let's go try to find that rhythm. I'm just not buying that it's going to matter. It's going to matter when the ball gets tipped in game one of the playoffs. If the Bulls can dig in a little bit more, have a little bit better effort at the margins, and then they need to pray for for Zach to have a good rhythm on offense, the need be feeling good. And I think pray for some DeMar DeRozan heroics, especially in the fourth quarter. And that would be their path to, to having any sort of chance in a competitive first round series. We've thrown a lot of bouquets Billy Donovan's way. Is there anything that you can see that you a Bulls fan could be critical of what the Bulls coach is doing? Yeah, I mean, I think the offense has been abysmal since the All-Star break, right? It's second to last, I think, in the NBA in efficiency uh, in the last 15 games, one of the worst since the All-Star break. And I think too often the Bulls have have fallen back into the habits of DeMar save us, Zach save us off the bounce. So I think if you're going to pinpoint anything for Billy, it's not his rotations. It's not his lack of adjustments with inserting people in the starting lineup. Like he has made rotation and starting lineup adjustments again and again. I think it would be the offensive approach and the offensive mindset. He hasn't done enough, I, I don't think, to get Zach maybe off the ball moving. Uh, he hasn't done enough to get through to DeMar sometimes maybe to, to get guys a little bit more involved. And I say that knowing DeMar still has some nights where his assist numbers look really good because he is a willing passer when he's doubled and he's just such a high volume offensive player that when the ball's in your hands, those numbers are fine. But it doesn't seem like Patrick Williams is in the flow of the offense at all lately. Io's not in the flow of the offense enough lately. And some of that's on the players, but then some of that's just, I think, getting them moving in the half court setting a little bit more fluidly, maybe off screens, maybe calling plays for, for guys maybe working Nikola Vucevic out of the high post a little bit more. He's not a great efficiency player on traditional post-ups on the block, so you want to get him at the elbow. That's also sometimes where DeMar DeRozan loves to operate, so they run into each other. So if there's any criticism of Billy, it would be that the things that were working earlier on, maybe on offense, they relied on too much because, I mean, DeMar and Zach are the stars of the team. He's a player's coach. This is now a player's organization. I understand relying on them, but I just think at times here in the second half of the season or last third of the season, uh, and too reliant on them, and it doesn't feel like offensively they've been fluid enough in getting these other guys in rhythm. So I think I'm not the X and O's genius, but that's where I would have tried to exploit and been more creative in other ways on offense, I think. Cody, as always, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to Tuesday because then we will have a playoff preview conversation with you that will be on deck. Take care of your foot. Thanks so much for jumping on the show. Yep, thanks, Lawrence. That is Cody Westerlin. Follow him on Twitter, at Cody Westerlin. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.